This program is brought to you with support from the U.S. EPA. We're here to present the EFC Network Podcast. The Environmental Finance Center Network is a partnership of 12 centers serving 10 EPA regions. The EFCN provides training and technical assistance to small water and wastewater systems. This podcast series has been designed to help system personnel improve technical, managerial, and financial capacity of the utilities and communities they serve. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Environmental Finance Center Network's podcast series about all the different aspects of wastewater treatment. My name is Tucker Colvin, and I'm a research scientist with the Southwest Environmental Finance Center at the University of New Mexico. This is our multi-part series about wastewater treatment, where we're following a typical wastewater treatment process from beginning to end. If this is your first time with us, please check out the earlier podcast episodes, and we hope that you'll join us for the rest of the series as well. Today, we are joined by research engineer A.J. Barney to talk about collection systems and their role in the wastewater treatment process. Hi, A.J. Thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Hey, Tucker. I'm doing well, and I appreciate this opportunity to share some of my knowledge about collection systems. Of course, we're happy to have you. And I know you previously worked as a wastewater operator, um, but can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and the work that you did with collection systems? Yes, of course. I am a New Mexico Environmental Department certified level four wastewater operator. I have worked both as an operator and in wastewater compliance, where I was responsible for administering different aspects of our pretreatment program. For those unfamiliar, pretreatment involves monitoring different types of discharges in order to protect the collection system and the wastewater treatment plant downstream. That's great. I look forward to hearing your perspective and learning more about the various wastewater processes from you. Okay, to start off on the topic of wastewater collection, I've prepared some questions that I think will guide us through the process and help us learn how, how it works and its role in the larger wastewater treatment process. Okay, so first of all, can you tell us what is a collection system and what does it do? Sounds good. I think that's a good place to start. So a collection system, which is commonly known as a sewer system, is a network of underground pipes, pumps, and other infrastructure designed to transport wastewater and sewage from homes, businesses, and industrial facilities to treatment plants or disposal sites. Its primary purpose is to effectively and safely remove wastewater and sewage from populated areas while preventing environmental pollution and public health risks. Some sewer systems also convey storm runoff, and these are called combined sewer systems. In the U.S., they are more common in older cities in the northeast region of the country. Okay, thanks for that overview. Now that we generally know what a collection system is, can you tell us what the main components of it are? Of course. First and most importantly are the sewer pipes, which act as the primary route by which wastewater passes from individual buildings to the treatment facility. These pipes have different designations based on the size, function, and proximity to the treatment facility. The smallest pipes are called lateral sewer lines, which connect individual buildings to the main sewer line. Lateral sewers then connect to the branch sewer lines. Branch sewer lines collect wastewater from multiple lateral flows and convey them to larger pipes. They are sometimes referred to as sub-mains. The next level of pipes are the main sewer lines, which are also called trunk lines and receive flow from multiple branch lines. Main sewer lines may transport wastewater to treatment facilities or to interceptor sewers. Interceptors are the largest type of sewer lines. 
They are designed to collect multiple main sewer flows, are usually present in large systems, and may even transport flow across large geographical areas or between municipalities. Interceptors can be several feet in diameter. Sewer lines have been constructed from a variety of materials, including clay and cast iron, but modern pipes are typically constructed from concrete or plastics, such as PVC or HDPE. Gravity is typically the primary force that moves wastewater, and these types of lines will be designed with a slope to allow the wastewater to flow downhill towards the treatment plant. The slow of gravity lines are typically sufficient to maintain a flow velocity of two feet per second, which is known as the scouring velocity, and helps minimize buildup that may lead to clogs and odors. When gravity lines are not plausible due to geography or other factors, force mains are utilized. Force mains are pressurized pipes that transport wastewater when gravity alone is not sufficient. Pumps are used to maintain the pressure and convey the sewage to the treatment facility. Pumps are also used in instances where gravity lines reach a low point and the wastewater flow must be transported to a higher level to allow gravity flow to continue. These types of pumps are called lift pumps and are housed at lift stations. Next, there are manholes, which all collection systems must have. Manholes are access points along the sewer lines that provide entry for maintenance and inspection purposes. They are often located at junctions, changes in pipe direction, and intervals along the sewer network. Intervals are typically 300 to 500 feet to allow for sufficient cleanings and inspections. Collection systems frequently have flow monitors installed to monitor flow conditions and identify any unusual developments that need to be addressed. This equipment may be housed at monitoring stations, which can also act as sampling points for flow sampling. In some cases, odor control systems are required to remove unpleasant or harmful gases such as hydrogen sulfide. These systems are also placed at various points in collection systems and remove odors through the addition of chemicals such as ferric chloride and hydrogen peroxide or through mechanical ventilation that conveys the sewer air to air scrubbers or to biological odor control beds. Okay, thanks for that description, AJ. That's really helpful. Um, I like to, I like all the words that kind of resemble trees. It kind of helps me picture what it looks like. It just reminds me of a whole tree with all the branches and everything. Okay, so now that we know about the makeup of the system, would you talk a little bit about the role that the control authority plays in maintaining that collection system? Yeah. So in addition to odor control and flow monitoring, there is cleaning and inspecting, which are two of the most important aspects of sewer maintenance. Routine inspections of sewer pipes and structures are crucial to identify and address issues before they become major problems. And inspection data helps prioritize maintenance and repair efforts. Inspections may be conducted visually using closed circuit television or CCTV cameras or through other inspection methods. Cleaning can either be regularly scheduled or in response to inspection findings and is essential to remove debris, sediment, and grease buildup that can lead to blockages and reduce flow capacity. Cleaning equipment, such as sewer cleaning trucks with high-pressure water jets and vacuum capabilities, are used to remove obstructions. One notable aspect of regular inspections and maintenance is root control. Tree roots can infiltrate sewer pipes, causing blockages, and structural damage, so signs of their development should be monitored for periodically. Root control measures may include cutting or chemically treating roots and repairing any pipe damage. Depending on the size of the collection system, 
Maintenance and cleaning will either be performed by separate units dedicated solely to collection system upkeep, or in smaller systems, this maintenance may be performed by the same workers who service the wastewater treatment facility, or even the whole system, including drinking water systems. Working with collection systems sounds like it's very involved and intricate work. Um, Is it dangerous to work in these environments? That's a good observation. And yes, uh, collection systems can be very dangerous to work with. And there are many hazards that workers should be aware of. There are typical hazards associated with working in wastewater, such as biological contamination and slip hazards that require personal protective equipment or PPE and awareness to avoid those conditions. But there are also hazards specifically associated with just the collection system. Uh, So first of all, the first thing that comes to mind is manholes present hazards even just trying to access the collection system. Manholes covers typically are made of cast iron and are very heavy. Care should always be taken and the proper lifting equipment such as pull bars should be used when opening them to prevent straining yourself when lifting them. And also so fingers, toes, and other parts don't get caught between manhole lids and the manholes themselves. Because a lot of times they can cause those appendages to be removed. Also, working gloves and hard-toe shoes can help mitigate some of those risks as well. Sewer systems are also considered confined spaces with limited entry and exit points. Workers can become trapped or injured while inside, making it essential to follow strict confined space entry procedures and always work in tandem with others. In case of an emergency or injury, rescuing a worker from a sewer system can be complex and time-consuming due to confined spaces and limited access points. So proper rescue plans and equipment are essential. And as we also previously mentioned, hydrogen sulfide is a hazard, but in general, the inside of sewer systems have toxic atmospheres all around. In many cases, sewer atmospheres may have insufficient oxygen level for workers, which can cause workers to suffer from hypoxia and lead to unconsciousness. With this type of atmosphere comes microorganisms that thrive in low to no oxygen environments, and those microorganisms frequently produce methane, carbon dioxide, and the hydrogen sulfide that we talked about. And exposure to those gases can lead to asphyxiation, poisoning, or explosions. And there's also a variety of chemical hazards often found in sewer hazards that aren't just gases. These can be unknown chemical discharges by industries that may threaten collection system workers' health or damage the collection system. Again, hydrogen sulfide should be considered because it is converted by microorganisms to sulfuric acid, which can also damage the collection system. This type of damage is known as crown rot because it occurs at the top of sewer pipes and deteriorates sewer pipe material. Excessive fast oil and grease, which we call fog in wastewater, also damages the collection system and can present a slip or unexpected hazard to collection system workers as well. Now, finally, sewer systems can be hazardous due to the lack of lighting, communication issues, and even psychological stress from being confined. Each of these should always be taken into account when working in those environments. Wow, thanks for that overview. It seems like collection systems come with a lot of components and hazards that many people probably don't think about once their water goes down the drains. Um, Would you tell us a little bit more about your work as it relates to collection systems and give us some more behind-the-scenes information about what kind of work goes, goes into protecting the collection systems and to the public? 
Yeah, no problem. So I worked in pretreatment for five years. And during that time, I supervised industrial pretreatment sampling and oversaw the fog prevention program and dental programs. Pretreatment programs are designed to limit contaminants and pollutants from entering the collection system at their source. The goal of industrial pretreatment sampling is to monitor different types of industries that are known to use or produce chemicals that have been determined to damage the collection system. The wastewater treatment plant or are not treated by traditional wastewater treatment and pass through to receiving waters and are harmful to the environments. These industries typically have pretreatment systems in place designed to remove these substances before their wastewater is discharged. And these are like little wastewater treatment plants just inside the industry building. And it's important for monitoring and sampling because those help inform industries when their systems are not treating their discharge adequately and also ensure they are following regulations properly. Now, there's also fog prevention, um, and that's an important part of pretreatment. Fog buildups in collection systems and leads to blockages that results in overflows, and they expose the public and the environment to raw sewage. In many cases, restaurants are required to install grease traps, which minimize the amount of fat oil and grease that is washed down the drain and enters the system. Fog prevention programs ensure these devices are installed properly, are being maintained correctly, and that restaurants have best management practices in place to minimize their fog impact on the collection system. The last part of pretreatment that I worked in was implementing the dental program. Some dentists use amalgam fillings which contain mercury. Mercury can dissolve in the collection system and will pass through most wastewater treatment facilities where it acts as a dangerous pollutant in the environment. The EPA requires that all dental discharges install an amalgam removal device that traps amalgam before it enters the collection system. These programs are similar to fog prevention programs and involve verifying devices are installed and working correctly, and also that facilities are maintaining their devices correctly. Awesome. Well, I think that we've learned a lot today. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to mention before we sign off? Yes. So one thing that's important uh, for collection systems, and that's a lot of wastewater workers are very well aware of, is that I wanted to mention that flushable wipes are not, in fact, flushable as they are marketed. Wipes marketed as flushable actually clog the collection system and damage equipment at wastewater treatment plants. So these should not be flushed down the drain. And I think it's an important message that lots of wastewater workers uh, would appreciate me sharing. Thanks, AJ. I'll be sure to keep that in mind and to spread the word about flushable wipes. And that concludes today's episode in our multi-part series about wastewater treatment. Please be sure to check out the earlier podcast episodes, and we hope that you'll join us for the rest of the series. Thanks again to A.J. Barney, a research engineer at the Southwest Environmental Finance Center at the University of New Mexico, uh, for sharing his knowledge of wastewater collection systems with us. And thank you for joining us um, for this episode, and please stay tuned for upcoming episodes in the series. Thank you to all our listeners for tuning into this episode of the EFC Network Podcast. Brought to you with support from the U.S. EPA. Be sure to stay tuned for future EFC Network podcast episodes. 